There he was, just a walking down the street, singing. Beta. Dad? I'm embalming my high school teacher. Don't sing. That's my best friend, Veda Saltonfuss. Veda and Thomas. Most of the girls don't appreciate her. I always surround myself with people who I find intellectually stimulating. A lot of the guys are a little afraid of her. Okay, lean forward. But she's more fun to be around than anyone I know. This summer, though, things are changing for everyone. Have you ever kissed anyone? No. Her father just found someone. I'm going out with Shelly. I'm very nervous. Since the last time you dated, something happened. The sexual revolution. Good at kissing and dancing. I'm very optimistic. And a grandmother just lost her marbles. It's quarter to three. No wonder Vader's acting so funny. What we're going to do is send our vibes out into the group. Feel my aura. I don't think I'm allowed to. I'm going to marry Mr. Bixler. I can't marry a teacher, because then he'll give you all A's and it won't be fair. Dad likes her better than me. Big girl! I'm running away. I'm going to Hollywood to live with the Brady Bunch. I want to live with them, too. No, you can't. They have enough kids. You'll have to live with the Partridge family. They say sometimes, when you get older, friends stop being friends. But not Veda and me. She'll always be my girl. From the producer of Parenthood, Columbia Pictures presents Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, Macaulay Culkin, and introducing Anna Klumsky. Veda, what do you think of me? For what? Well, if you don't get to marry Mr. Bixler. I guess. My girl. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White, and what are we talking about this time? We are talking about the movie My Girl, starring Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, Macaulay Culkin, and Anna Chlumsky. And this movie came out in 1991, and it is a comedy family drama. Now, I have never seen this movie. I know this is one of those movies that everybody has seen, whether it be on the television. It's on the television quite a bit. Uh, This is my first time seeing it. Uh, So this uh, review is coming from Fresh Eyes from 2020. And the movie opens with a pleasant piano score. We open up, and it's a close-up of Anna Chlumsky. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to start. This is how the movie starts off. We're just going to do an audio clip right here. I was born jaundiced. Once I sat on a toilet seat at a truck stop and caught hemorrhoids. And I've learned to live with this chicken bone that's been lodged in my throat for the past three years. So I knew Dad would be devastated when he learned of my latest affliction. Dad, I don't want to upset you, but my left breast is developing at a significantly faster rate than my right. Tell me one thing. Cancer. I'm dying. Okay. Sweetie, hand me the mayonnaise out of the fridge. Two things. One, we've established that she does this all the time because Dan Aykroyd did not blink an eye uh, when she said this. And two... She opens the movie by talking directly to us at the camera. And I was a bit worried because I know this is a comedy slash drama. And I don't think dramas work well if you break the fourth wall. A weird example I have is uh, Deadpool 2. If you haven't seen Deadpool 2, I'm doing a spoiler alert right here. There's a scene where uh, Deadpool is dying... You don't really take it seriously because through the whole movie, Ryan Reynolds has been breaking the fourth wall and talking to you, the audience. And that's what I felt was going to happen in this movie, that any emotional impact that this movie was trying to present would be undercut uh, by the breaking of the fourth wall. But this is the only time they do it, at the beginning of the movie. And I have to ask myself, why did they do this at the beginning of the movie? 
We find out this movie is set in Pennsylvania in 1972. And I don't know why this is a period piece. Being in the 70s doesn't come into... It doesn't play any part of the plot. This movie could have just easily taken place in 1991 when this movie came out. There's a couple of hippie characters. But other than that, maybe they were trying to capture the youth, you know, of playing outside and stuff like that from the 70s, but I still think that could have been accomplished in the 90s. It takes place in 1972. That doesn't affect the movie. It could have taken place any place in time, in my opinion. And a group of boys are at Anna's, Anna Chomsky's house. What we don't know is, what we find out is that her dad is Dan Aykroyd, and he is a uh, mortician. He lives in the house, but also it's the funeral parlor. So it's the funeral parlor and their house all in one location here in the small town. And there's a group of boys, and I was worried because I didn't want this to turn into a little kid movie. I've said before, I'm not a big fan of child actors. They just don't do it for me in movies. I They, they tend to ruin the movies more than enhance them. Uh, it turns out not to be, so we'll get to that. Like I said, there's a group of boys, and Anna is charging them money. One of the guys in the group is Macaulay Culkin, but he doesn't go in. Um, the other boys start to tease him, and Anna tells them to leave him alone. So right off the bat, we see there is a connection between Anna and Macaulay Culkin. Well, Anna takes the boys inside... They pay her money, and they want to see a dead body. She takes him into this room full of coffins, and she opens a coffin. There's no body in there. And the boys are like humming and hawing. We want our money back. And she starts telling the story of how sometimes when they bring the bodies in, they're not dead, and they might start wandering around. And then we look into a room, and there's this old lady sitting in a chair. And Anna goes, look, there's the corpse. And all the other boys scream and run out of the building. And that is the last we see of all those boys, which is good. This movie is not cluttered with a bunch of little children. We have two main story plots, one between Anna and Macaulay Culkin and one between Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis, which we'll get to later. And I will talk about those later. Well, it turns out this old lady sitting in the chair, that's Anna's grandmother. At this point, I thought she was comatose because Anna just talks to her and sits on her lap and the grandmother doesn't move at all. Obviously, there's something wrong with the grandmother. We hear Dan Aykroyd yell up to Anna, bring down my cigarettes! Uh, Because downstairs, that's where they embalm the bodies. And Dan Aykroyd is downstairs with one of his assistants and they are embalming this body. And Anna will come downstairs but she won't go into the room. So we've set up the fact that she obviously has a phobia of what's down in the basement. She she doesn't know what's down there, and it scares her. It's really weird because at this point, we see uh, Dan Aykroyd is kind of cold to his daughter, but his assistant is talking to her. So it's a weird juxtaposition where... This assistant is talking to Dan Aykroyd's daughter, Anna, who's on the stairs. They're talking about a Monopoly game, while Dan Aykroyd is talking about embalming this body. So they're both talking to this one person about totally different things. We go outside, and Jamie Lee Curtis pulls up in a camper, and she knocks on the door, and Anna lets her in. It turns out that she is a cosmetologist, and she is answering an ad in the paper. And Dan Aykroyd comes upstairs and he greets Jamie Lee Curtis. And we're going to go off on one of these. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Yes, this is the second time Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis work together. The first time they worked together was in the movie Trading Places. And you can catch that in an old episode of the Dan Aykroyd podcast. Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis will go together to work together four times in their career. And when I touch on those movies, I will give you another tangent alert then and there. And we are back. There's a bit of confusion. She thought it was a beauty parlor, but Dan Aykroyd explains it's a funeral parlor. But she still wants the job. Dan Aykroyd is obviously smitten with Jamie Lee Curtis when he first sees her. And he gives her the job. 
Now we cut to Macaulay Culkin and Anna riding through the town, and they ride to the doctor's office. And she comes up to the doctor's office. She tells the nurse that she needs to see the doctor because there's something wrong with her. Living in this mortician's house, in a funeral home, she's developed these phobias about sickness and death. She always feels that there's something wrong with her. She's a hypochondriac at 11. And we can tell this because the doctor and the nurse, they treat her, they look at her, and they tell her that there's nothing wrong, but obviously she's done this many, many times from their reactions. And then they're riding their bikes and they run into uh, Griffin Dune, a very nice character actor, Griffin Dune, and they play Macaulay Culkin's and Anna's teacher. And he just bought a new house. He's cleaning it up. He lets Anna know that he is teaching a creative writing class this summer. And she wants to take it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because when we get back to Anna's house, she puts on a record and she starts dancing and she pulls out a picture and the picture is a, it's a class picture, but she has a heart around Griffin Dune's face. Obviously, she has a crush on her teacher. The reason she wants to take the creative writing class is to be close to him during the summer. The next scene is around the dinner table where it's Dan Aykroyd and his brother and his mother. And Anna is on the floor. She's passed out on the floor. And Jamie Lee Curtis comes in and sees Anna on the floor. And she sort of freaks out. She's like, what? What happened? And Dan Aykroyd, like, she does this all the time. So Dan Aykroyd is not phased by the histrionics of his daughter. And neither is his brother. Uh, because his brother and Dan Aykroyd, they're arguing. And then all of a sudden, the mother starts singing out of nowhere. So she's not comatose. But obviously, her mental faculties are degrading. So she'll sit quiet for hours on end, and all of a sudden, she'll start singing. So it's sort of a weird introduction to the family for Jamie Lee Curtis, where uh, the daughter is on the floor, the grandmother is singing, and Dan Aykroyd and his brother are arguing like this is normal. Like this happens every day in this family, and they've just adjusted to it. Uh, the next scene is... Anna and Macaulay Culkin out on the porch of her house. These girls from school come through and they start teasing them. Oh, your boyfriend, girlfriend, sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. So we set up that Macaulay Culkin and Anna are very, very close. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes out and she starts talking to the two. Comes up that uh, Macaulay Culkin is allergic to everything. And that's going to come in... That's going to be very, very important uh, later in the movie. So a little foreshadowing right there. Anna asked Jamie Lee Curtis how she can get $35 because that's how much it costs to take the creative writing class that her teacher is taking. And Jamie Lee says, just ask your dad. And we cut to the scene. It's later at night. The dad is in the den with his mother. They're watching uh, All in the Family. The dad's laughing along. Anna asks Dan Aykroyd for the money, and he says no, and he goes through all, because one time you want to be a magician, and one time you want to do this, and one time... So she's one of these people that wants to do everything, but never follows through on anything. Now we cut to uh, the next day, and she's playing basketball in the house, and his associate, from the beginning of the movie, shows her some basketball moves, and then he leaves, and that is the last we see of him in this movie. He is gone. Uh, so he only had a couple of scenes with Dan Aykroyd, and the assistant is out of here. Well, she's playing basketball, and the basketball goes downstairs. She's freaked out because she doesn't like to go downstairs. Well, she goes downstairs after her ball, and when she goes downstairs, Jamie Lee Curtis closes the door, and it gets stuck. So when she tries to get back up, she can't, and she starts freaking out, and she starts banging on the door. She starts banging on the door. Let me out. Let me out. And, and Jamie Lee Curtis lets her out, and she starts freaking out so it's obvious that that there's something wrong really wrong not fake wrong with this girl something really wrong with this girl there is some sort of trauma in her life well then we cut to the next scene where jamie lee curtis is making up a dead body uh, she calls dan Aykroyd over to take a look at it and this is what he says didn't i give you a picture of what she looked like You don't like it? This was the Reverend Porter's wife. You have her looking like a $2 hooker. I think 
She looks nice. Her lips are very thin, so I used the gloss to give them a more sensual quality. And her eyes just needed a little definition. And her hair. I'm sorry, nobody wears this hairdo anymore in 1972. <laughs> she did. This photo was taken a month ago at the church food drive. I just wanted to get past this old school marm image. <laughs> that wasn't an image. She was an old school marm. Fix it. It's obvious that Dan Aykroyd is smitten with Jamie Lee Curtis. However, he knows his job and he's not going to back down. So even though he likes this girl, he's not going to let her walk all over him. Such as of the continuation of the scene, Jamie Lee Curtis tries to talk to him about his daughter and he sort of bluntly says, don't talk to me about my daughter. I know my daughter. Stick your nose, you know, don't put your nose in my business. So Dan Aykroyd is a fairly strong character in this movie. He knows what he has to do, and he doesn't let people kick him around. He doesn't let people boss him around. And he won't accept the advice of Jamie Lee Curtis. We cut to uh, the kids hanging out at Jamie Lee Curtis's camper. She invites him in. She gives him a tour of the camper. Uh, we find out that Jamie Lee Curtis is divorced while she's talking to the kids. We also find out that she has a cookie jar full of money, uh, which Macaulay Culkin and Anna find out. There's a scene where Anna pretends to go to the bathroom and doesn't, and then the scene ends there. We'll talk about that later. This movie does a couple of things really, really well, and this is one of them. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you later. Well, then the next scene, we see Anna. She's in the creative writing class with all these adults. And this is where the 70s come in. There's a, a couple of hippies in this class. It's a very diverse. It's housewives and accountants and hippies and construction workers and Anna, a little girl. It's a very, very eclectic creative writing class, which I know they sprinkled in for flavor in the movie, but I don't know. I just can't picture all these different people from this walk of life all doing a summer creative writing class. But that's where we are. They start going through the people that were supposed to write a poem, and they did. And Anna comes in with a poem, which I think is weird because she wasn't at the first class where he gave the assignment to write a poem, but she comes in with a poem. I don't know how that worked. Uh, but she reads this poem poem about ice cream or, or something like that, something insignificant. And the teacher says, that's fine. It's a nice poem. It rhymes. But I want you to tell me what's in your heart. What's in your soul? This is an 11-year-old girl. Okay? I don't... They might not know what's in their heart or in their soul at 11 years old. I think that's a very, very heavy thing to put on to an 11-year-old, especially saying it in front of all these adults in a class. And then we get a voiceover. So I mentioned before at the beginning of the film, we don't get the breaking of the fourth wall, but we get a series of voiceovers through the movie. And these voiceovers just drop little bits of exposition through the movie. And the, and the voiceover that ends the scene is, I may have killed my mother. And then, boom, we're on to the next scene. It's Macaulay Culkin and Anna. They're out. They're hanging by the docks. And they're fishing. Macaulay Culkin catches a fish. Anna tries to get the hook out of the fish's mouth, sticks her finger, and she starts bleeding. She throws the fish back into the water, and she asks Macaulay Culkin, did the fish get away? And we look down, and it's obvious that the fish is dead. But Macaulay Culkin says that the fish got away. So obviously Macaulay Culkin knows Anna's death phobia. He's not doing he's not doing anything to upset her. So we know that they know each other and they're very good friends. They're protecting each other. Well, Anna is bleeding from the hook in her finger. Macaulay Culkin has a mosquito bite, which he pricks. So now they're both bleeding and they rub their blood together. Now they're blood brothers. And maybe this is why it's set in the 70s to make a scene like that a little more innocent because this was before all the AIDS and all the blood-related diseases. And maybe that was to make that scene a little more sweeter uh, by having them be in the 70s before all this, before all that disease, uh, you know, hit mankind. 
It's obviously that she's a hypochondriac because she split her finger open on a hook. This would be a perfect time for her to go to the doctor and actually have something wrong with her. But she doesn't do that when she has an actual malady, when she has an actual injury. She only does it when she thinks she has a fake uh, malady or a fake injury. Now we cut to the home. We see Jamie Lee Curtis. She's sitting behind the desk. She's also the receptionist uh, besides the uh, cosmetologist in this funeral home. And we hear a tuba playing. Jamie Lee Curtis walks in and she sees Dan Aykroyd playing the tuba to his mother and singing to his mother. And it's a very, very sweet scene and it sort of endears Jamie Lee Curtis to Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd also apologizes at that time. So even though Dan Aykroyd is a tough guy, he knows when he's wrong and he knows when to apologize. And now in the next scene, Jamie Lee Curtis is flirting with Dan Aykroyd. She's trying to get him to ask her out to a drive-in movie. And at this point, I don't know what she sees in Dan Aykroyd, and I'm not trying to be mean or, you know, sarcastic about that. It's like, for the most part, he's been standoffish and sort of rude to her. There was that one scene with his mother, so I guess that really, really endured himself to her. Because she starts flirting with him. She wants him to ask her out to the movies. He doesn't, but he asks her out for bingo. Uh, she accepts. Cut to the next scene where Jamie Lee Curtis is putting on makeup and Anna walks by. They start talking about makeup. Jamie Lee Curtis starts putting makeup on Anna. So there's a little bonding scene between Anna and Jamie Lee Curtis. She comes out all dressed in makeup and Macaulay Culkin is on the porch. I don't know how she knew he was there, but he was just there. She comes out and she starts modeling with him. And he's like, what's wrong with your mouth? What's wrong with your eyes? Because she has all this lipstick and eyeshadow on. Let's face it, ladies. Guys are clueless. Sometimes you just got to spell it out for us, no matter what age it is. They go into the garage. They're looking for something. I don't know what. But they go into the garage. They find a picture of Dan Aykroyd and Anna's mother. So Dan Aykroyd is a widow. She takes it and they start looking at it. They start talking about heaven. They ask questions about heaven, what heaven is like. And uh, uh, this is what Anna thinks heaven is like. What do you think it's like? What? Heaven. I think everybody gets their own white horse. And all they do is ride and eat marshmallows all day. And everybody's best friends with everybody else. When you play sports, there's no teams, so nobody gets picked last. But what if you're afraid to ride horses? It doesn't matter, because they're not regular horses. They got wings. I just know the deal if you fall. It's just landing in a cloud. That doesn't sound too bad. We cut to Dan Aykroyd getting ready for his date. And his brother walks in and he sees that he's getting all decked out to go to bingo. The brother comes in and starts giving Dan Aykroyd tips that it's now it's the sexual revolution. So maybe the thought about it not taking place in 1972 might have been premature. I mean, these are little jokes and little things in the movie that come from 1970s, the 1970s. The movie could have just as easily not been in the 70s, as I said before. But maybe they, they wanted to sprinkle these little tiny jokes that would only work because yes in the he's talking about the 70s and the sexual revolution where women don't wear bras and you don't open doors for women and you don't pay the check women will do that so he's filling Dan Aykroyd's head with all this advice and then Dan Aykroyd's walking down the stairs Anna sees him and asks him why he's all dressed up to go to bingo Dan Aykroyd is sort of skirting around he doesn't he tells her that he's going to bingo with Jamie Lee Curtis. He doesn't say that it's a date. He's a bit nervous. He doesn't want, he's a bit nervous himself and he doesn't want to say anything to his daughter to upset her. Dan Aykroyd goes out the front door. Jamie Lee Curtis shows up in her camper and then they both get into his car and they drive the bingo. After they leave for bingo, Anna runs over to Macaulay Culkin's house, coaxes him out of the house and then they run to the church to spy on Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. In every Dan Aykroyd movie, he usually has a fast-talking 
uh, jargon speech. And in this one, he has a fast-talking bingo jargon speech. It's not that long. I'm not going to include it in here. But it's really, really fun. It's like no matter what film it is, they always tend to, to put one of those in. And it always, it always feels like home whenever I, whenever I hear Dan Aykroyd say that. Well, the kids are spying on Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. And Anna sees that Dan Aykroyd is actually going to kiss Jamie Lee Curtis. And she yells bingo. And the whole place erupts. A fight almost breaks out between two elderly gentlemen about bingo, and then those two run back home. Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis come back to his house, and she invites him into his camper, and they have a little talk, and at this point we find out that Dan Aykroyd's wife died during childbirth. It's a nice little scene. They start dancing. It's a nice little romantic scene between Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. Their chemistry between those two... I'll say this. I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be uh, Anna's movie uh, from the beginning. I thought, okay, this is one of those movies where they get a bunch of big name actors and they're going to play little parts, but this is going to be a breakout movie for this new child star. And it's not that. You spend just as much time with Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis as you do between Anna and Macaulay Culkin. It's a really nice balance that this film does. They don't concentrate on one too long, so you don't feel it's an adult romantic film for too long, but you don't feel it's like a child coming-of-age film too long either. And there's a nice incorporation of both storylines. They did a really nice job of stringing this movie together, the different plots coming together to make a, to make a whole movie. They kiss, and Dan Aykroyd goes back to his house, so they're both smitten with each other. And while all this is happening, Anna is watching this from her window. And now... Uh, she's a little jealous of Jamie Lee Curtis. We cut back to the writing class. It's a um, scene about meditation. So the whole class is sitting around in a circle meditating. It's really a nothing scene. I don't know why it's in the movie. Nothing is really accomplished. You don't really find anything in this scene. The scene doesn't really add anything to the movie. They're trying to do a, a comedic bit, but it sort of falls flat. Um, so we're just, So they just move on to the next scene. Well... I shouldn't say that. Okay, this is what the meditation scene did. They're trying to give positive aura from one person to another. They're trying to give aura to one person to another. And Anna tries to do that with her grandmother. So she goes to her grandmother's room and tries to give aura to her grandmother. Just like, just like the meditation scene, this scene, I mean, it's a nice little scene between... Anna and her grandmother, but we've had these before in the movie. We know that Anna loves her grandmother. The whole meditation scene and the whole her trying to give aura to her grandmother, we know that she loves her grandmother. This, these were just a couple of scenes that didn't need... The movie is an hour and 45 minutes long, about that. Hour 43, hour 45. This movie would be better suited if it was around the hour... hour and a half, hour 35... And scenes like this, these scenes could have been cut to the movie to tighten it up and make it and make it flow a little better. These were two non-scenes that didn't need to be in the movie. Boom, boom, get them out. Now we cut to the grocery store, and Dan Aykroyd and Anna are shopping for the 4th of July, and we run into Jamie Lee Curtis, who's also shopping for the 4th of July. And at this point, now Anna is angry at Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, she doesn't want her dating her dad. It's apparent during this she's just sulking while she's shopping with her dad now we're at the fourth of july party where it's dan Aykroyd and jamie lee curtis and dan Aykroyd's brother and anna as i mentioned before dan Aykroyd had an associate at the beginning of the movie now at this point jamie lee curtis is still an associate of dan Aykroyd's, and maybe he just invited her because they started dating but i why did you not invite your other associate? Because this is like a family. Uh, a, you know, it's a business, but it's a family. So where was it, where is your other associate? Did you invite him and he couldn't make it? Or did you not invite him at all? Maybe Alliance, like, and I invited so-and-so, but he couldn't make it. It just seems weird. Like, this, you could tell at the beginning of the movie that Dan Aykroyd and his associate were very, very close. Why would he not try to invite him to this party? It's a little thing. It just bothered me. I'm sorry. Well, while this is coming on, a Mustang pulls up uh, next to Jamie Lee Curtis's camper. It is her ex-husband and her brother. And they come in the backyard, and apparently 
the ex-husband received the camper in the divorce and he's here to collect it. And Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't want to give it to him. Dan Aykroyd stands up and he starts talking to the guy and then he punches him in the stomach. Now, I've mentioned this before in podcasts and it might be a little iffy here in this one, but it's always bothered me when a character does something that's totally out of character or a character does something that we don't know that he or she can do. It hasn't been told to us by the movie or by the plot. I mentioned that Dan Aykroyd is a strong guy. He's a strong businessman. He doesn't let people walk over him when it comes to his business, and then he's a strong person when it comes to his daughter. But we've never seen anything, or it's never been hinted, or it's never been told to us that he has a temper or a violent temper. And he just comes up and he punches Jamie Lee Curtis's ex-husband in the stomach. It's sort of out of nowhere. Now, you can be a strong business person and you can have strong morals, but that doesn't mean that you're a violent person. Honestly, Jamie Lee Curtis's husband, even though he might have been a tad rude, he was actually in the right. He had every right to be there and he had every right to collect that trailer. And we find out that Dan Aykroyd's brother was in the Korean War. I think it would have been... Now, we have that information. Now, that I can understand. If the brother went up and punched him in the stomach, that I can understand because we set up, well, he's been to war. He's seen things. This is something that he might do. Anyway, it just bothers me when a character does something that has not been set up that the character would do. Fireworks start going off. It's the 4th of July. The ex-husband just leaves. We don't see him again. So I guess that punch took care of everything. One punch to the gut. And any divorce settlement is out the door. We see the fireworks go off and Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis are watching them. And on the swing, it's um, Dan Aykroyd's brother and Anna, his daughter. Dan Aykroyd's brother, Richard Mauser, by the way, I'll mention his name, very good actor. Richard Mauser, Dan Aykroyd's brother, tell us how Dan Aykroyd was uh, before his wife died. Here it is. He tells all this to Anna. You feel like, okay, so Anna understands this. Anna wants her dad to be happy. So she's not going to be mad at Jamie Lee Curtis. That's what I thought the scene was for. To enforce in Anna's mind that her dad needs to be happy. But that doesn't happen. It's set up like, okay, Anna and Jamie Lee are going to be friends now. But not yet. We'll see what happens. Anna goes back to the doctor. She's got another phobia. And while she's being examined, Macaulay Culkin is in the lobby talking to the nurse of the doctor. And the nurse goes, do you know why she comes here? Macaulay Culkin goes, yeah. And he knows all about her phobias, and but he comes with her because he knows that this helps her. And being a good friend, he wants to help her. This movie is really about childhood innocence friendship before all of life's troubles start seeping in on you and before you get bogged down with a family of your own and troubles of your own real troubles of your own it's just friendship pure and simple it's just pure friendship between these two well they cut to the forest they're walking around the forest and Anna loses her mood ring she's been wearing a mood ring this whole movie and she loses it and, and while they're looking for it, they find a beehive and they start whipping stones at the beehive. And the bees get pissed and they start chasing them. So Anna and Macaulay Culkin run through the woods and they jump into the water 
to avoid the bees. Very important plot. I know a lot of you have seen this movie, and I know a lot of you know what happens. And I knew about what was going to happen, and I was a bit confused when I thought, saw this, because it came quite... Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. Just me babbling here. Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis and Anna all go to the carnival in town, and they announce to Anna that they are getting married. Dan Aykroyd has proposed to Jamie Lee Curtis. Anna is not happy about this. She pretty much ignores the fact that Dan Aykroyd told her that they're getting married, and they get on the bumper cars, and Anna starts ramming Jamie Lee Curtis from all sides. And Jamie Lee Curtis is genuinely a good person, and she loves Anna, and she loves Dan at this point. Anna is just having nothing to do with it, and just keeps ramming her and ramming her and ramming her. And you can see a look on Jamie Lee Curtis's face, like, okay, this enough is enough. But before anything happens, uh, the scene ends. It's the next day, and Anna goes to Macaulay Culkin's house, and she says, they're running away. And they, they run away like kids run away. They ride their bikes around, around and around and around. It gets dark, and Macaulay Culkin says, I got to go home. And Anna's like, fine, go home. I'm still running away. And she, we see her in this tree all night long, but it turns out the tree is in the yard of her father's. Uh, so she never really was going to run away. It's just the typical child running away, just trying to run away from the problems that they think that they have. I don't know. It was, I, I thought it was a nice little reveal. She jumps from the tree and she jumps into her yard. So, you know, I didn't think, I didn't think she was running away. However, I didn't think she was spending all that time in the tree outside of her own home. Now, the next morning, she starts screaming. And she's like, I'm hemorrhaging, I'm hemorrhaging. Where's my dad? Where's my dad? And Jamie Lee Curtis talks to her, and Anna has her first period. So, like, she's about 11. So she has her first period, and Jamie Lee Curtis takes her upstairs and gives her the sex talk. I don't know about that. I mean, I know that people need to hear the sex talk, but maybe discuss that with her dad before you give her the sex talk. That might be something that he would like to do. You know, you can tell her what's happening to her body, why this is happening to her, uh, but maybe save the sex talk for her dad, and maybe the dad would give permission for her to do the sex talk, or maybe they could do the sex talk together. That could have been a bonding moment for all three. Macaulay Culkin comes knocking on the door, wanting her to come out to play, and she just shoves him down and, like, you don't come back here for five to seven days. Period joke. Ba da ba ba da ba. What? So the next scene is there is actually a funeral going on in the house, which has got to be, if you're a child growing up in that house, you can see why Anna may not be the most well adjusted person, well adjusted child in the world. Because not only do you have bodies coming in and out of the house, but you have strangers coming in and out of the house. Well, there is a funeral going on, and it is Anna's job to watch Grandmother while this is happening. And while this is happening, uh, while Anna is watching Grandmother, she has to go to the bathroom. And when she walks out of the bathroom, she sees Jamie Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd kissing. And that upsets her, and that distracts her. And while she's distracted, the mother comes wandering in to the um, funeral parlor and starts singing at the top of her lungs. And Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis have to come in and they have to remove the grandmother and then they get Anna and they chastise Anna. And once again, Dan Aykroyd is really, really firm with his daughter. It's like, well, that was your, you know, that was your job to do this. We, you, you shouldn't have let her out of your sight. And blah, blah, blah. This is another scene that really doesn't need to be in the movie. We've established that the grandmother is comatose and we've established that Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis are in love. And we've established that Anna is not not happy with that. This is just a little chunk of a scene. It doesn't be, need to be, you know, it doesn't really add anything. I've always said it doesn't add to the movie. It just adds to the runtime. We could have cut this movie down to an hour and a half and it would have been a nice tighter movie. This is one of those scenes that just did not need to be in the movie. We could have gotten it out. Gotten? Oh, geez. Well, Anna runs out of the house and next scene it's Macaulay Culkin and Anna they're sitting under their favorite tree their climbing tree 
they talk about getting married and Anna says that she has a crush on her teacher. Then they talk about kissing. It's like, maybe we should practice kissing. And then they have a kiss together, Anna and Macaulay Culkin. And it's a brief little child kiss and it's very, very nice and it's a very, very sweet scene. And while they're going back to their homes, Macaulay Culkin says, if you don't marry the teacher, please consider me. And that's a nice scene. As I said before, I'm not really big on childhood actors, but Anna Chlumsky and Macaulay Culkin are really, really nice in this movie. They play off of each other very well. They have nice chemistry in this movie. So I did not mind them as child actors in this movie. Well, after she goes home, Macaulay Culkin goes back into the woods and starts looking for her mood ring. And he finds her mood ring right by the beehive. And while he's looking for it, he kicks the beehive. And the bees are still there, and they attack him. You don't see the attack. You just see the bees start to swarm, and you see Macaulay Culkin's glasses hit the ground. And then the next scene, it is a scene where you just see Dan Aykroyd and a cop talking. You can't hear what's saying, but you can see that it's very, very, it's upset Dan Aykroyd uh, very, very much. And Dan Aykroyd has to go upstairs and now tell Anna that Macaulay Culkin is now dead. And uh, this is how it goes. Hey, don't sit down for a minute. Ada, something happened to Thomas J. last night. He stepped on a beehive. I told him not to tease those bees. Did he get stung? Maybe I should go over and yell at him. she runs to the doctor in the next scene and she tells the doctor I can't breathe I can't breathe it's the bee sting so now she's malady is vicariously through what happened to Macaulay Culkin and she's in her room now she we just cut to her she's in her room she won't come out of her room uh, but a friend stops by this friend says that she wanted to say that she was very very sorry so we think that Anna only had one friend in Macaulay Culkin, but it turns out that other people, other kids, cared about her as well, which was, uh, which was nice to see. We have Macaulay Culkin's funeral. She won't come out of her room for the funeral, and Jamie Lee Curtis tries to reason with Dan Aykroyd. You know, you have, I know you deal with death, but you can't ignore the living. He's, she's basically telling him to be a father to his daughter, which is really, really similar to a speech that John Candy gave Dan Aykroyd in The Great Outdoors. They're both telling Dan Aykroyd, like, be a father to your daughter. Just this once. Be a father. But then it doesn't go anywhere. But then the next scene is Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis in the funeral listening to the, the preacher speak. So she gives this nice, heartfelt, go up and talk to your daughter, but he doesn't do it. And she seems fine with it because they're both, I don't know, that was just odd. It's like, to me, that felt like that could have been a really, really emotional scene and then have him go up and talk to his daughter. But he doesn't. But the daughter hears what's going on. She slowly comes downstairs. She, she runs up and she just jumps on Macaulay Culkin's coffin and just starts wailing. Where are his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. We're going to go bike riding later. And they're just trying to convince her that he's gone. He's not coming back. And once again, she runs out of the house. Now, this, this is a flurry of bad stuff that happens to Anna. So she just witnessed her the funeral of her best friend. Then she runs over to her teacher, who she's in love with, and then confesses her love to her teacher. And then she sees uh, her teacher's fiancé. So now it's like, we can't be together. So she runs off again. This is a lot for an 11-year-old to digest in this short amount of time. She's got to be going nuts. 
Everybody's out looking for her. She doesn't come home. Everybody's freaking out. The cops show up. It's like, we can't find her. And then all of a sudden, she comes home. Her and Jamie Lee Curtis are bonding once again. Anna confesses that she stole the $35 from Jamie Lee Curtis to take the creative writing class. And Jamie Lee Curtis, with grace, says, it's okay, just dedicate your first book to me and we'll call it even. This movie does, it sets up the money stealing and it also sets up her being in love with her teacher. And then they let it go for a really, really long time. And And you're thinking... Okay, is this going to be, is there going to be a payoff? Are we, going to, are we going to find out what happens? And we do. And we find out in the natural progression of the movie. It's not rammed down our throat. We could have seen her just grab the $35 out of the, out of the pot, and then we know that she took the money. It was a bit ambivalent when she took the money. Did she take the money or did she get the money another way? We think she probably took the money, but we're not sure. So this movie does a nice thing of setting something up, letting it breathe, and then tying the loose ends together. Kudos, my girl, on that. Dan Aykroyd comes home. Jamie Lee Curtis tells him that she's okay. She's upstairs. She's sleeping. Dan Aykroyd comes upstairs, and he tucks her in. And as uh, he's walking away, she Anna asks, "Did I kill my mother?" And uh, this is what happened. And this is the speech. This is the moment between Dan Aykroyd and his daughter. Now, I'm going to say this. This was an over-the-top, sappy, emotional scene. But I liked it. Okay? I know it was over-the-top. I know it was supposed to make you cry. I know it was supposed to tug at your heartstrings. And it wasn't subtle at all. It was like a train wreck. But it was a nice train wreck, if that's possible. I mentioned the chemistry between Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. The chemistry, uh, Macaulay Culkin doesn't really uh, interact with Dan Aykroyd or Jamie Lee Curtis. But Anna Chlumsky, Chlumsky? Yeah. Anna Chlumsky does. And she has a nice chemistry between all three. Between Anna, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Dan Aykroyd. And then the next uh, scene is Dan Aykroyd eating breakfast. And Macaulay Culkin's mom comes in. They have a back and forth. And then Anna comes out. And Macaulay Culkin's mom gives Anna her mood ring. Because that was on Macaulay Culkin when they found his body. And I guess this is a sort of an arc for Anna. You know, she felt that she killed her mother during childbirth. And she could have felt like it was her fault that Macaulay Culkin died because he went back to find her mood ring. But she doesn't. She knows it was an accident. She knows it was him. He was, he was doing it on his own. It was nice to see her not blame herself for something that wasn't her fault. Uh, There's a nice scene where Anna tells Macaulay Culkin's mom not to worry because her mother is looking out for Macaulay Culkin. Then we cut to the creative writing class. It's the last day of class. Anna's missed a couple. She comes in and everybody hugs her. And okay, and I, okay, I, maybe I have to retract that this may this movie shouldn't have taken place in 1972, because when she comes in, all these adults hug her, and that was acceptable in 1972. You know, these are heartfelt. These are you know non 
creepy hugs that these adults are giving kids. However, nowadays, I don't think you could have a scene where all these adults who she knows but are basically strangers hugging her. Uh, maybe that couldn't have taken place in 1991, but that was mainstay in 1972. You know what? Movies in 1972. Good job, 1972. And she... Reads a poem about Macaulay Culkin and the climbing tree. For an 11-year-old, it was a pretty deep... We find out what's in her soul. And we also find out that she has let it go. She will always think of him. He will always be in her heart. And she walks out of the class. And her friend who visited her at the house, she's outside. So she has a new friend at the end of the movie. Then they ride off through the town... And that is the end of the movie. And that is My Girl. And what did I think of it? I thought it was a cute movie. I thought it was nice. As I mentioned through uh, this podcast many times, there's some scenes that could have been cut out. We could have shortened it up. We could have tightened it up. Gotten to an hour and a half. And it would have been a nice, solid comedy family drama. But all in all, it's a good movie. It's not laugh out loud funny. You're not going to fall over laughing. It's not that kind of movie. There's a couple of scenes that will tug at your heart. Every actor in this movie does a good job. I have no problem with any of the acting. If we just cut the script down a little bit, I think it would have been a, a little better movie. But I'm not going to hold the running time against it. And the scenes that they leave in that they could have cut out, it, they're not monstrosities. So my girl, if it's on... This might be a movie that you have on in the background because you've seen it so many times. But I would just suggest next time it's on, just sit down and watch. And watch good performances by every. And uh, watch a good story. And uh, you will uh, enjoy this movie. And that's it. This is the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm Scott White. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to my Patreon page. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Scott White. And if you want to see what I'm doing, you can go to my website, ScottyBlanco.com. And that's it, and we'll see you next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Thank you.